Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. I can't believe that it's July and the summer is just flying by. But this summer, we've been able to have a lot of great guests come through the international headquarters. And I was able to talk with Eric and Deja Huxley. Eric serves as the country director for Columbia, and Deja is involved in volunteering in various capacities. She also teaches uh, fitness classes for the staff and raises their two daughters. Um, And it was a, a joy and an honor to talk with them. I appreciated their honesty, the joys and the hardships of serving in a foreign country um, and culture during a pandemic. And you'll get to know their hearts and more about their story, but you'll also gain a lot of perspective from this conversation. So first of all, just to start, you know, we've we've talked many times on On the Ground, but mm-hmm. could you just share uh, maybe who you are, uh, how and when the Lord called you to Samaritan's Purse mm-hmm. and kind of your journey into working here? Yeah, yeah. So my name is Eric Huxley. I'm currently the country director of uh, Samaritan's Purse in Columbia. And uh, I started with SP in uh, 2014, actually a regional position with uh, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, the Lord called us out of uh, Southern California, where I was working on uh, food programming along the U.S.-Mexico border, um, to join uh, Samaritan's Purse here in Boone, North Carolina. Uh, I worked there for three years. Um, Moved to Wine to Water, uh, a uh, water-focused NGO, for a couple of years. And then this opportunity came up to start and lead the office down in Columbia. And it was a you know long-time uh, calling for my wife and I to go out mm-hmm. on the field as, as a family. And so we accepted that uh, opportunity in 2018 and have been there ever since. Well, I'm Deja Miranda Huxley. And yeah, that's about it. I just... Mm-hmm. Um, have made the decision once we had our first that I would start staying home. Mm-hmm. And so Eric's been able to follow certain passions he's had from getting his master's and um, um, taking jobs with some couple of NGOs prior, or one NGO prior to Samaritan's mm-hmm. Person. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to hop around mm-hmm. easily because I'm, I'm, I just have the girls at home. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize... Um, I know that's why we've talked many times for mm-hmm. on the ground, but it was very specific. And so that's why I love just getting to hear your hearts and your journey. Mm-hmm. So you've worked now, I mean, you, Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, American border. Mm-hmm. Now you're in mm-hmm. Colombia, you know, yeah. on the border of Venezuela and Colombia. So I guess how did the Lord prepare you? Mm-hmm. Um, but so what's different or what's the same? Yeah. And then what's different in these two different situations? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the U.S.-Mexico border is kind of like a, you know, it's this historic border where we've, you know, seen, you know, various phases of migration up to the United States from Mexico and more recently Central America. Um, it, what's happening in Venezuela is more of kind of a refugee uh, type crisis where you're seeing uh, folks fleeing uh, in large uh, numbers. Uh, and it's not necessarily a historic migration um, crisis. This has only been happening since, you know, 2015. Uh, and the scale of what's happening in Venezuela is, you know, is way beyond the scale of what we're seeing uh, uh, in the, on the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, to date, over 5 million Venezuelans have left mm-hmm. uh, Venezuela, the majority coming into Colombia. But, you know, there's a lot of similarities to working along a bo- the border. In fact, uh, Deja and I met uh, along the U.S.-Mexico border. I was going to college in San Diego. Deja had moved to San Diego after recently graduating college. 
but we knew migration issues were something we were both passionate about, um, mm-hmm. serving the migrants, um, serving the needy. And one of our first dates actually um, was uh, going into Mexico for the day to provide you know school supplies to an orphanage along the U.S.-Mexico border. So we did that. Gosh, was like the first day we decided mm-hmm. we were dating. Yeah. It was that day that we decided. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we went and we served at this orphanage and then um, just driving, you know, through Mexico and then back into the U.S., just discussing a lot of what our passions were and our dreams. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we were equally yoked and just having a, a passion for for those contexts. And I think that's when the Lord really spoke to us that I think, you know, this is something we could, um, you know, we we could do uh, uh, we we could do together uh, as a couple. Mm-hmm. It was very early in our marriage, and and Deja reminded me, you know, I'm only doing that with somebody I'm married to. Mm-hmm. So, so it was you know it became a goal. You know, if this is something we want to do together, we need to we need to get married. You mm-hmm. tell the story pretty well too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. I mean, and we it was not till we lived in Guatemala for two years, which mm-hmm. was a very different situation mm-hmm. in that sense. Though it was also. Uh, we were working with families that were like single parent families mm-hmm. because m- most many of the men mm-hmm. were had already left mm-hmm. for the U.S. and we saw what was going on. Those families that brought back money and they had houses and they had stability, even if it was a single family home or the families that were single family homes and their husbands did not bring, bring back money or did mm-hmm. not, um, they you know were abandoned. Mm-hmm. And started new families in the in America. So mm-hmm. we had seen a, a different side in a in the middle of an indigenous village in Guatemala. wasn't on the border, but it was affected by immigration mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but it was also there that we realized we could have a family here too. Because mm-hmm. I think initially we thought we're going to do this early on because we mm-hmm. can't um, imagine raising a family while doing this. And then it was there that we said we can do this as a family someday mm-hmm. in life. So we came back from that with that as a dream as well, eventually, not knowing where, mm-hmm. not knowing when, um, but that's kind of what that, how that started too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love hearing the background because I think God does. He uses gifts, talents, abilities, and experiences um, to bring people the right time. And so here you came, I mean, you'd been in Boone for a while, um, but this opening became available and it, it yeah. seems like it is just perfect for your family and mm-hmm. for what you all, yeah, have been praying for and mm-hmm. been obedient throughout your life, mm-hmm. um, so that prepared you, but mm-hmm. you didn't know what you, the timing. I mean, here mm-hmm. you moved right before COVID. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us about the move and the transition and what it was like to, to yeah, move your kids um, over, you know, well, not overseas, yes. even <laughs> to yeah. another country. Yeah. Um, and then kind of what it was like in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then obviously COVID changed a lot of things. Yeah. So maybe just share what it was like, what it was like preparing your girls mm-hmm. for a big move and a new culture and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew that, uh, it's kind of where it began, but um, when I was in Guatemala, I felt, or there were some things that that um, I didn't thrive in, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, just based off of the culture or my lack of confidence in my Spanish, Eric thrived, I didn't. Uh, he grew, I didn't. Hmm. And um, and not to say it was a waste, I learned a ton, mm-hmm. but there were things I didn't want to repeat and and uh, carry on with my girls. So, um, and I knew that we wanted this, mm-hmm. but I also was scared to mm-hmm. repeat or not be what my girls needed. And so um, thankfully through counseling and um, through just, you know, God doing what, some healing, um, 
I was able to uh, work through some issues prior that helped me have confidence and see who I needed to be for them, that they, I can't, I can't shy away. Like I can't hold back myself. I have to be okay with mistakes. I have to be okay with being imperfect because they're watching me and they're, if I want them to thrive, they have to see me thriving. So um, I, I took that on as like, and I knew Eric would be super busy. He started, it was started as a dart and then mm-hmm. an office. I, I couldn't rely on him to, it was a little hard the first, what, mm-hmm. week? Mm-hmm. It was really hard, two maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I knew he had already been there a month. And so then he came back and got us. And I had just had a super invasive surgery yeah. and we had just moved and um, and I get there and I had to remind him several times, like, I don't know Kukuta. Like, I don't know. You have to, mm-hmm. he's like, wants to give me the keys and just go. And mm-hmm. he, he trusted me that I could do it, but I also needed a little, like, you know, a little help on the front end. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're so busy, but I need, mm-hmm. I need a little more support. I need you to remember, I don't know this place. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had, that was a little, that was, mm-hmm. there was tension there mm-hmm. at the beginning and uh, reminding mm-hmm. that like, I, I will get my, I think he was worried that I would fall into like reliance on him and not have the confidence to just go out there and figure it out. Cause he, that's what he needed from me. And, and I did, mm-hmm. you know, poco, poco. Yeah, yeah. stepped out <laughs> yeah. and it was like, I'll look at my phone and we'll find out where this is. And we'll find out. I, w- I had, I had an agenda in the beginning. I'm going to find a tutor for the girls. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find a place to sign them up for classes in some sort. I need to just push them, push, push, mm-hmm. push. Immersion, you know, immersion. I get them in a dance class, get them gotten Melina into mm-hmm. an art class, mm-hmm. tutor immediately, uh, um, visited schools, finding an apartment. Mm-hmm. And then on the days that we didn't have anything because nothing was falling into mm-hmm. place that day, mm-hmm. I took the girls to the pool and Eric would be like, enjoy it. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to be like, I have to do something. We need to do something. We need mm-hmm. to moving into an apartment, you know, and he's like, just enjoy it. It's mm-hmm. not going to always be this way. So there were days that I just sat with my girls and read and mm-hmm. swam and, and those were good. Mm-hmm. That was a good, yeah. you know, yeah. slide in, but it was hard. It was really yeah. hard. I just had to personally look at my girls and say, they, they are taking this in through, through what I am showing them and, and the confidence and the getting in a taxi and talking mm-hmm. and going up to principals at, you know, schools and they had to see the confidence in me or they would, I thought that at least Mm -hmm. they, they wouldn't thrive or they wouldn't be a good start if they saw me backing out and be me being fearful or um, not showing up, I guess. I don't know. No, no. And I think on top of that, we had a lot of support from some Colombians that, you know, were, um, you know, they found out, okay, we need a school. I know this person at this Mm. school and they would take Deja and make the introductions and, and kind of really kind of help us kind of uh, integrate into the community. And so we're grateful. Ho- Colombians are nothing if not hospitable mm-hmm. people. And as an American, sometimes you can, you know, it, it, we're, such, we're so independent sometimes, which mm-hmm. is our strength, but also in that culture, it's our weakness because mm-hmm. we have a hard time letting people help us. We want to be self-sufficient and self-reliant. And, uh, and in that context, it was a lot, a lot of relying on others to kind of help us integrate into the community. And so, and Deja did that extremely well and got the kids enrolled, picked a school for the kids, got them enrolled in the school. And Kukuta is not, you know, I think our kids were the first expats. I think maybe they had one French student at one point in their 60-year history. Venezuelans. Venezuelans, They have a few Venezuelans. Yeah, that's right. But yes, other than, you know, non-native Spanish-speaking students, Mm -hmm. our girls were one of 
maybe three. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was a it was a it was a unique experience, even for the people of Kukata receiving mm-hmm. these North Americans, and Deja, I think, navigated that fantastically and and got involved in the school. I think before COVID, she was on a committee judging English competitions in the different schools for the for the spelling state bees, spelling yeah. bees, yeah, yeah, uh, for the state of uh, where we live in Kukata. Um, so you know, very quickly, kind of integrating integrated us into the community, and it was. She was brave. Um, <laughs> no, but that was yeah. all. That was all. Again, like yeah. yeah, a lot of people who came to me too. Mm-hmm. Like I had to rely on people stepping up to me and saying, you know, what do you need? Or mm-hmm. I know so and so. Or um, you know, there's a lot of English schools, so people were really excited to have a native speaker around. And so mm-hmm. yeah, and and mm-hmm. and the Lord just opened up a lot of doors. Like okay. just just continually provided. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from a, when, especially when you look back and you're like, remember when we got we walked into that apartment and all four of us said, "This is it," you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. remember when you know those moments that you, you're just just you know that was that was God just mm-hmm. here you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I love how you shared that you know your first experience in a different country wasn't great, mm-hmm. you know, and, and He thrived and you didn't. Mm-hmm. And I love how you said that you learned from that. And mm-hmm. so rather than saying we're never going again, and mm-hmm. I, I love that you did that, and I appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing that because I think people listening. Sometimes a door does close and we're not supposed to go back, mm-hmm. but sometimes we are. We're supposed to push through and learn from our, you know, mistakes or or what maybe was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love the way that you you came into it with a new, mm-hmm. I guess, enthusiasm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to repeat that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do better. Mm-hmm. And look what you would have missed. Mm-hmm. You know, had you have, I mean, you could have said no yeah. to this experience. Definitely. And so I just, I love that. I think that's a good reminder for all of us that mm-hmm. if we didn't do something well, mm-hmm. that's what his his mercies are new every yes. morning. You know, I tell yes. myself that every day because some days yeah. I just really wreck it as a parent, <laughs> but it doesn't make me a bad parent. You know, it's just, I had a bad day. Yeah. And so it's that getting up and doing it again. So for everyone listening, you know, yeah. you might have a bad yes. go around. Mm-hmm. There was redemption too, yes. you know? And that was, that word was, was brought to my attention ahead of time that mm-hmm. I have a chance to redeem that. Mm-hmm that experience, not I, it, it, it can be redeemed, like mm-hmm. the experience, and it doesn't have to be passed on to my girls, like, mm-hmm. you know, that just because we're in a new culture, especially one that's, you know, can be machismo and, you know, it's just kind of a part of discovering who we are too as women mm-hmm. and, and thriving in another culture. Um, I don't know, there was just redemption in, in that, in that mm-hmm. experience. And, I'm grateful that we got, and that's not what even what we were going for, right? Right. right. <laughs> it's just yep. the God. fruit that can come with, you know, mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. And so I know if people didn't listen to the on the ground episode, Eric, mm-hmm. you explained mm-hmm. very well, you know, the situation and why the country office yeah. was established, so people yeah. can go back and listen to that mm-hmm. episode. I think we talked in February, but can you give just a short maybe update on yeah. where where Columbia is, where your mm-hmm. office is, mm-hmm. and how COVID has really impacted this year? Yeah. So um, the the Columbia office was uh, established in response to the Venezuelan migrant crisis. Um, as I mentioned um, in the previous podcast, uh, over 5 million Venezuelans have fled Venezuela. Um, the majority have come through Colombia and over 2 million have settled in Colombia. And so the, the, the SP response has been uh, uh, along the Colombia-Venezuela border to provide emergency assistance to, to people that are coming out of Venezuela. Um, that was back in 2018. Uh, at our peak, we've seen as many as 1,200 people coming through one of our transit shelters in a single day. 
Uh, and these are unique beneficiaries. So you get 1,200 one day, you may get 1,000 the next day. Mm. And you, you know, among those 1,200 or 1,000, 30% are women, 10% are children under the ages of 12. Um, and so um, since COVID's happened, we, you know, things slowed down in the short term in terms of migrants leaving Venezuela because the border was closed and there was like, all kinds of uncertainty. Uh, and about a year ago, we even saw kind of a return of migrants going back into Venezuela as Colombia shut down. Mm. Um, that was about a year ago. So that was June, July, 2020. Um, I would say since uh, the end of last year, the end of 2020, uh, we've seen an uptick in number of migrants coming out of Venezuela again. Uh, we're seeing an average, we were seeing an average of about five to 700 people coming through our shelters uh, every single day uh, earlier this year. Uh, and currently we're seeing about 150, uh, more or less uh, folks coming through our shelters every single day, our, our transit shelters along the border. Uh, so the crisis is very much still uh, happening. Um, I think a lot of the discourse and a lot of the response is moving from providing emergency assistance to the migrants in transit, which is still needed, um, to providing uh, assistance at integrating uh, Venezuelans into Colombia because the situation in Venezuela is so bad and it's likely going to be bad for years to come that Venezuelans, wherever they go, they're likely going to stay there for a while. And so the SP response continues to be assistance to migrants in transit and also providing assistance to migrants that are beginning to settle in, in Colombia. Um, and uh, COVID, you know, certainly disrupted things, uh, but, but I think by the grace of God, our office grew quite a bit uh, during COVID um, because the, the needs uh, were exacerbated. Um, Venezuelans in Colombia that were already in a vulnerable situation were, were in an even more vulnerable situation because of COVID, because they couldn't go out and work uh, to earn enough money to provide food and, and, and housing for their families. And so Samaritan's Purse, you know, we took a calculated risk to keep our doors open, to keep our lights on. Uh, the government uh, granted us exoneration from the shutdown so that we could keep working. And I think as a result of that, you know, new programs were added. We started new medical programs, new shelter programs, and new food programs, uh, really to provide, to continue provide, uh, to continue to provide the uh, the emergency assistance that was needed. And currently, uh, we have 160 staff. Uh, and we're providing assistance to tens of thousands of beneficiaries uh, every every month uh, with medical support, um, uh, food, protection, and shelter um, mm -hmm. to uh, mostly Venezuelan migrants in, in Colombia. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for the provision of the Lord and, and our team. We have an amazing team of national staff and mm -hmm. international staff that are 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 equipped to do the job, but I think more than that, they're enthusiastic about the work that they get to do. So it's really, um, it's my job just not to mess it up, I suppose, so, or to get in the way. So um, yeah, in terms of like personally, for us, how, how COVID is, is, uh, has affected us as a family, um, I can let Deja uh, speak more to that, kind of where we were pre-COVID and kind of what our life is like now. I think it, it's, a, it's an important story to tell because I think it's a story of a, of a lot of um, kind of how people have had to adjust. So, yeah. Um, yeah, prior, right right prior to COVID, um, I felt like we finally were getting into a rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. So we had been there for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it takes that long about to get accustomed and in a groove and we finally found a church. And um, I had been struggling the whole time with purpose 
because I, you know, wanted to work. Uh, I was ready, right? So um, I kind of, that was kind of back and forth. And what do we do about that? And what is my availability? I didn't know that the girls would be out of school at 12 and that doesn't leave a lot of time to do something. And, you know, just all the Mm -hmm. purpose stuff Mm -hmm. um, as a, as a CD wife and, you know, what, am I just called to volunteer? Should I get out there and try to get a job? All that stuff was happening the first year and a half for me mm-hmm. personally. And the girls were getting custom to school. They were into their second year of school. So they're feeling good about this is my school. Um, no longer just the weird, you know, gringa. I, I belong here mm-hmm. and they speak the language and everything's great. So we had started a church. I was starting to go, I had just started attending regularly um, a, a women's group on Tuesdays. Um, I had a friend coming to uh, my apartment, our apartment and I told her, I paid her to rip apart my Spanish in every way possible just so that I can mm-hmm. get even better, you know, and just, it was just flowing, meeting people with coffee and volunteering every Friday as a family um, at the shelter, every Friday evening after you'd get home from work, we would we'd get our stuff together. Um, our oldest would get we well both all of us I guess would get um, our crayons and and coloring page papers and um, construction paper and uh, nail polish and you know we had our little mm-hmm. routine. We had a little routine and we'd go and serve on Friday evenings and um, it was it was sweet. And the girls were on the swim team and mm-hmm. we just had a little thing going, right? And then COVID came in and stopped it all. And the girls were virtual and they're still virtual classes. So it's been almost a year and a half of being home. Um, you know, church has been hard to get back into. Mm-hmm. There's no kids program. There's no women, you know, meeting up for um, a women's group or... Um, yeah, so it's been yeah. a really tough yeah. year and a half because it was like finally, and then yeah. it was mm-hmm. shut down. And I wouldn't say that there, ha- there hasn't been a lot of fruit from that time for us as a family, getting to be, that's I think a lot of people have experienced like what comes from being together and without the distractions of life. And so, yeah. you know, in that time, our girls got baptized. They chose mm-hmm. on their own separately to be baptized. Um, they, we've learned how to Sabbath. Mm-hmm. We've learned how to stop. We've learned how to do nothing a whole day, <laughs> and we've never done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a lot of beautiful things that definitely have come from it. Um, not long ago, we, I was walking our dog with my youngest, and she was holding my hand, and she said, Mommy, I miss lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I kind of miss it. I, I kind of just miss not having—it was just us, and we had nothing to do. We just— we woke up on a Saturday and said, what do you want to do? You want to play some games? You want to read? You want to, you know, we were together. It was just us. I kind of missed that, you know? And so I, I, you know, we talked through about how we can make sure that we keep what we've learned and, and, you know, make sure we don't over, overdo it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're doing a good job of that, but, <laughs> um, but you know, there was, there's, it's hard. It was hard to leave what, what we finally were getting accustomed to and feeling comfortable in, I guess, or, or feeling like, Basically, main, like really feeling like the girls were involved in what we were doing too by going every Friday. And then all of a sudden it was like, mm-hmm. close them in, lock them up. Like they can't, you know, yeah. that was like the culture was like, put the kids, like they can't, don't let them out. They literally couldn't come out for 58 days at one point. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it was a drastic, drastic change that was really hard. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we, we learned a lot through it too. 
So we did. We definitely wow. did. And are you guys in an apartment? Like, is it city mm-hmm. living? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you high rise no apartment space. So I guess at least here, my kids could go outside yeah. Yeah. in the yard. But that is very cooped up. Yeah. Yeah. They like the government. Like like Deja said, they 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 wouldn't let kids out of the house for 58 days. So they were literally locked up in the apartment. But we there's like a little patch of AstroTurf in the apartment complex. And so it's like, what, 20 yards long? I don't even yeah. know. So we I, taught our kids. At this point, we probably, because they were littler, yeah, so it might yeah. look, now looking at it, we'd be uh-huh. like, how did we do that yeah, in that yeah, little strip? Yeah. But it was perfect for the yeah. time. We, we taught our kids American football. Yeah. Uh, we would get a crowd from the apartment complex, yeah. like all the Colombians watching the gringos play yeah. this mm-hmm. weird sport. Uh, soccer, we too. Pretty intense games of soccer. Yeah. I mm-hmm. sliced my shin open, yeah. like getting a little too competitive mm-hmm. playing soccer. I mean, the girls knew these things, yeah. but we, like, they didn't have the pool or anything right, else to right. distract them. So we like taught them like, no, this is how you really throw and this is how you really catch. So much so that we got competitive. I got <laughs> to get like, get yeah. really competitive. Yeah. And so that was really fun. Like when else would we have taught them yeah. to really play? And yeah. you know, so it was good. And then slowly the government would like, they allowed 30 minutes a day, three days a week for your kids to go outside. Two days a week. Oh, two days a week. <sighs> and and you would go out and there would be nobody there. Nobody would go out. Nobody took their kids out. We would be the only people that would take our kids Along out. Along with the other foreign families that we knew, mm-hmm. which yeah. was two other families. We would meet up at the, we'd meet up at this, it's called the Eco Parque, which is like a little nature area to walk in. Mm-hmm. We'd be the only ones. Yeah. That's unreal. And then sometimes we'd push it and it's like, well, it's Sunday. We can't go outside, but let's go to the park. Yeah. And so now my kids have memories of being chased out of the park by the police, you know, when <laughs> they were like supposed chased to. chased like that. That no, sounds pretty good. A different. police car, uh-huh. like, like, sirens on and an uh, intercom, go back to your apartment. <laughs> Come wow. on, kids, let's go. Um, so, so sweet, sweet memories in the midst of just like a catastrophic yeah. event too, because in the midst of all this, we're... Our, our church has a lot of elderly folks, and it's just like you're getting constant texts. So and so sick. So and so is in ICU. So and so is intubated. So and so died. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like this, like you know, these little. You look for these little kind of you know release valves uh, amidst all the pressure, and then the pressure of the programming and seeing the conditions of beneficiaries mm-hmm. kind of just mm-hmm. like get get worse and worse. Um, you know, we would just look for every little moment to just mm-hmm. kind of like just these little like pressure to these little release valves on the pressure of just being inside and the context. And and I think that was just the Lord's provision, just being exactly what we needed uh, at the moment that we needed it, so. Eric was awesome about um, giving me Monday afternoons. You come home Mm -hmm. like at four Mm -hmm. or something. And there was this um, shelter that's no longer there, but um, it's just called Mm -hmm. Tienditas. It was part of, the SP was part of the program. It wasn't an SP shelter. Mm -hmm. That's why it's no longer there because it's mm-hmm. kind of a long story, but mm-hmm. he gave me the opportunity to go volunteer every Monday afternoon with mm-hmm. um, with the deputy director, mm-hmm. Susan. And um, I mean, I like I wiped tables and mopped floors and served food. I mean, it was. And sometimes I didn't. It, you know, we were so masked up and and really really shouldn't be spending much time with the beneficiaries. But it was an it was so good. Like the opportunity to just go have that space to serve, to see. I, I mean, it's so good to continually be reminded, why are we there? Because mm-hmm. there's there's weeks, you know, you're like, what are we, what are you doing here? What are we doing? You know, and you can be like that. It can, it can be hard. It can be really challenging to, it's in our face every day, but not, mm-hmm. it can, you know, you can be in your office, I can be home and, and we can be in our little safe community and forget why we're there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those, that was really awesome opportunity to go and just because you couldn't always really couldn't 
talk to people like you wanted to, like prior to COVID, you would you're you intentionally sat down with families and asked their stories and just mm-hmm. hear them. But you're not really supposed to right now. We're we're in a dangerous situation as far as COVID goes. So it was an opportunity to look at each table that we're eating and, and pray for them. Just silently mm-hmm. pray while I wiped down tables and chairs and it was it was a really cool experience. I don't know. I mean, it was set up because of COVID. It was set up it was a because World Food Program program to help migrants that got stranded at the border. Yeah, they couldn't go into Venezuela because they were stranded at the border because the border was closed. Because so. of, it was a COVID situation, like they mm-hmm. built it for it. Wow. It was it was because of it, but it was a really cool opportunity to just mm-hmm. to serve and pray over them, and mm-hmm. um, I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Peace. Yeah, I feel like that would be hard, especially for the girls, you know, because they enjoyed serving prior, then they couldn't. And and like you said, you're when you can't go out, you re- why am I here? Yeah. So how has that changed your family? I guess seeing so much poverty and so much trauma and hurt, how has that grown you together and maybe ch- challenged and strengthened your faith, but also your girls? How have they been changed through these past couple of years? I feel like... You know the, the the two things we value, and that you know, two values that we really try to instill in our girls is is empathy and resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want our, our children to know, on the one hand, that a person in need is no different from them; they are just facing different external circumstances. Especially children, right? Children are the epitome of innocence in the midst of a crisis. Um, and so, I, I feel like our children, because they you know, they can relate to the beneficiaries that we serve. They, you know, they they hang out with kids that they're in their exact same age um, at the shelter and can talk to them and relate about the same things, you know, cartoons and coloring and, you know, getting your nails painted. And so I think it's made our girls more empathetic. They don't uh, look down on a person in need. They just see a, a person just like them, you know, facing different circumstances. And so that's one thing. And then also I, I want our girls to learn from beneficiary, the, the beneficiaries that we see and the Venezuelans that have been affected by the crisis uh, and see their resilience. And these are people that have faced overwhelming odds and they continue to survive and in some cases thrive despite the odds. And, um, and, I, and I feel like we've seen that in our children when they see somebody in need, it, I think there's, there's real empathy there. Um, and, you know, the conversations that we have, there's just a deeper understanding of, of what's really going on. What are the factors and everything mm-hmm. that are leading to those things? And I think it, it's generated more empathy. And uh, I'll let um, Deja talk about kind of like the, um, you know, the friendships that our daughters mm-hmm. have built and, and, and Deja's built with, with Venezuelan families in, in Cucuta as well. That, uh, you know, uh, like a really beautiful story about how we befriended a Venezuelan family who came to Cucuta at the same time we came to Cucuta and then our mm. kids related kind of on this like level where they're both experiencing this new culture and new place mm-hmm. at the same time. So, and, and you and you with the wife as well. Mm-hmm. So, wow. yeah. So yeah. Um, there was, I don't remember what point in their friendship, but they have said it a few times to each other, to us saying on their own, they said, if it weren't for the crisis in Venezuela, we wouldn't know you. Like you wouldn't have come here and we wouldn't, we wouldn't have needed to be here. Mm. Or when I say needed, I mean the the yeah, the need for the office and stuff mm. wouldn't have been here. So how cool is it that mm. even though um this terrible thing's happening, like we have come to know each other and forever love one another. Mm-hmm. Like I mean they on their own they have realized the the beauty that's come out of 
such a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. And I have never probably, I have, I have never um, experienced such a relatable, I mean, they're just, they're, you are just like me and I am just like you. And I, 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 it's the only difference is that I happen to be born here, like mm-hmm. or born in the United States. That's the only thing that, and, and I know you can have empathy for all kinds of situations, but sometimes it's really hard to put your, yourself in their shoes, but I've never, ever been so, mm-hmm. so like this, I cannot believe the only reason why is because I was born here. You're, you're, you've, probably have better edu- education than me. You've, uh, you know, yeah, there's just, it's just uh, the relate, the, mm-hmm. the being, a, being so relatable with, with mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's very um, eye-opening and humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned so much from a few friends that I have made that are, that they're, they're the only reason why they're in Kukuta is because they had to leave Venezuela mm-hmm. and um, they have taught me a lot. Um, I remember one situation was uh, one of my best friends there we were both in a situation where we needed to move apartments. Like we were in the process mm-hmm. of moving there in the process of moving. We're trying to, and um, just within Kukuta, just leave, you know, changing locations mm-hmm. within Kukuta. And um, theirs wasn't going through and ours was. And I sat down at a park, our girls were playing together and, and I was started crying, telling her, I'm so sorry, like I'm moving, like I get to do this and you're still stuck in your situation. And uh, and she grabs my hands and she opens them up and she says, you never close your hands to what God gives you. Mm. You don't ever do that. He gave you a gift and you never close your hands, you know? And I was just like, oh. like she constantly speaks truth in my life, even though her situation is, is, is terrible. Mm-hmm. And it does it doesn't seem fair. It's not mm-hmm. right. And, and so, um, you know, and, and we constantly, um, we constantly have these situations where it's just, I, I, you know, I come before her with, with whatever we've been given, and and she's so happy for mm. us, genuinely, genuinely happy for us, and you know, constantly praying for us, and as we are for them. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just her her faith has strengthened mine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. Um, and it must be hard. I want to talk to that in a minute, just our American citizenship, you know, and what that entitles us to. But I feel like it must be hard. It's like Joseph, you know, I think of Genesis, you know, as you were talking, Genesis 50, 20, you know, what man meant for evil, God meant for good and for the purpose of his people. And um, and yeah, Joseph, you know, steadfast, whether he was in the palace mm-hmm. or the pit, you mm-hmm. know, he had the same character and the same resolve yes. and the same. And, and that's what I want. I hope I would have, but I don't think I would. And so I'm sure, yeah, you're, I mean, to, for you to even share that about your friend, I'm like, I want faith like that. Mm-hmm. And I want to be grateful like that. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Why can't we? Is it because we are too entitled? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But how great that mm-hmm. God's given you people to walk this journey mm-hmm. with to both encourage you mm-hmm. and then for you to encourage and pour into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do want you to talk a little bit. I loved your devotion the other day. And yes. so I hope for people that didn't hear it, maybe we'll be able to share it at some point, but Psalm 91. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a psalm I went to every time Edward was mm-hmm. deployed or there we were in a you know, dangerous circumstance, but I think it's good to read it when times are good too, because mm-hmm. sometimes we forget right. and we're not grateful when things are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but talk to me about, because I know for me, when I travel internationally and I come back home, I mean, there's nothing like seeing the American flag and coming back to your country. Mm-hmm. So when you lived overseas and you mentioned, you know, when the shutdown came and mm-hmm. you know, the embassy or I don't know how they told mm-hmm. you, but 
basically, if you stay, mm-hmm. we can't get you anywhere if things go bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you mentioned a little bit in the devotions, but can you share just like, as a family, like, did mm-hmm. you talk about it? Yeah. Did you, pray? you know, I'm like kind of getting goosebumps because it's like, not that you were left, but no, in a way yeah, that was the first yeah. time in your life. Because I think as American citizens, we do have an option. Yes. We can always come we home. We always have an option and we yeah. always have a government that will fight for us. And I, I do. I just get tears thinking yeah. of different countries and people that don't have that benefit. Yeah. It's nothing that we deserve or did. And right, so I want right, to talk right. I want to talk to you in a minute about our spiritual mm-hmm. uh, citizenship. Mm-hmm. But first, earthly. What was it like to almost yeah. say, yeah. you're on your own? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> I remember, so they first closed down the land borders and the river borders and the ocean borders. And, you know, we have contacts high up in the government in Colombia and um, every indication was, okay, the, they're going to shut down all air travel into Colombia. And uh, so we knew it was coming. And I, I remember very clearly having a conversation with, with, with my wife, with Deja, saying, okay, this is going to happen. Um, do you want to go home? You know, I'll stay here. Me. Yeah, yeah asking, me and the girls. asking Deja, do you mm. want to? Do you want to go home? Do you want to go to the states? I want to go to your yeah. dad's. You know, and and because we don't know what's going to happen, and there was no hesitation. Mm. No, we're in this together. We're like we're going to do this as a family. Mm-hmm. What am I going to go home and not know when I'm going to come back and see you? Like this is the, we're, we're in this mm-hmm. as a family. Like this is our our mission. Uh, and so um, so it just it instilled me with a lot of confidence. You know, there was, I don't even think there was another conversation after that. Mm-hmm. There was no other hesitation. There was no hesitation in her voice. And and so, yeah, sure enough, uh, a couple days later, I want to say, uh, we get the text message um, from the State Department, um, level four travel advisory, uh, either make plans to come home immediately or shelter, begin uh, make plans to shelter in place. And that was a weird feeling. Um, you know, we knew it was coming, but it was like, oh man, the safety net has been cut. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you get kind of a glimpse of uh, what it could be like uh, to not count on this security blanket that we generally have, which is the U.S. will respond for its citizens. And, and the U.S. is faithful in that. Uh, and, they, and, and, and they're faithful to that uh, currently. But there was just kind of this tiny glimpse that, what if that wasn't the case? And so, um, you know, I didn't, I don't think it really, you know, I don't think it really uh, shook us or, or anything because the decision had had already been made. But it was a, an interesting moment to kind of think about it. But then, and this might sound kind of cheesy, but, you know, the safety, safety net gets cut, but then you begin to rely on the Lord and, and it's the Lord controls gravity. So why do you need safety net? You know, like the Lord's got our back. Mm-hmm. You know, he. This isn't a mistake. We're not here, you know, because we were careless or foolish. Like it was a, you know, very specific. I think calling on our life and desire in our heart that the Lord gave us because it was something we desired. And and so then it becomes like an adventure. And you know, you get excited to wake up every day and say, Lord, I need you. Mm. And uh, and um, so yeah, it was in a sense, it was a beautiful thing as well. Um, and you know, the United States, you know, things have improved and. I'm confident the United States would respond to us. And, and coming back to the United States, I mean, you just, I think we were away for two years and, and you, you know, I, I feel like I'm more patriotic now than I've ever been. I, mm-hmm. I love my country and I believe the United States should respond for, to its citizens, you know, I, I and they do a good job of that, better job than almost any other country in the world. But as a Christian, you do have to, you do have to think about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we live in such a safe country, such a, 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 you know, a country that historically has always done right. 
you know, by their citizens abroad for, for the most part. There's always exceptions. Um, but, you know, we, you always, you have to meditate on that. Like, okay, but what, then where's my faith? Mm-hmm. Is my faith truly in my trust and my sense of security? Is it in the Lord or is it in all these, in all these safety nets that, mm-hmm. you know, I have because I happen to be born in the United States? Um, so it was a, it was a, it was a good experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I love one of our post-residents when they went to Africa, you know, he's like, it's the best for our family because mm-hmm. we're stripped of these, you know, mm-hmm. we have insurance here. I mean, mm-hmm. just all these safety nets. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's it's so nice to go somewhere and be free of all that and to be mm-hmm. in danger because we're more reliant on the Lord mm-hmm. and we're, we listen more mm-hmm. carefully because I think sometimes we have so much noise here that we don't yes. even hear him. Mm-hmm. We don't even see his provision on a daily basis right. because we have all these false securities. So. I guess that's what, is why I wanted to ask. And I think we know as Christians, I mean, our citizenship is in heaven. We are not, you know, we are aliens and sojourners. This is not our home. Um, but yet we live like it is probably more than we should. Um, I know I think Sammy and Joy Dagger were just here, you know, for a couple months for a wedding and they were going to go back and things are pretty bad where they're going. And, you know, he said that to Joy too. Uh, do you want to stay? Mm-hmm. I think it is good for us to get rattled from time to time, yeah. you know, yeah. to remind us that our citizenship is heaven, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that is the ultimate. Um, we should ache and long for people mm-hmm. that don't have that because mm-hmm. we can be adopted into that. You know, I mean, obviously people can immigrate and become American citizens, but mm-hmm. the Christian, that is open to everybody. Yes. And we can be adopted and yes. brought into his family. So maybe can you can you share even just what that year did Mm-hmm. to your faith mm-hmm. and maybe your eternal perspective. How did that shift yeah. or did it? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for me, I can say that I have a much, much bigger view of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things that the Lord has showed me over the past year and a half is that we worship an eternal God, mm-hmm. a God that's not fixed to any temporary time or space. And um, that's been been powerful. It, it gets me to think beyond my circumstances and understand God uh, from you know a, a more eternal perspective, and I think that's been really good because all those maybe sometimes pit, like like little things like pithy things that I think we can mm-hmm. get so wrapped up in in the you know from an eternal perspective just don't matter. Um, and so there's nothing new under the sun. This mm-hmm. is certainly not the first pandemic, and it won't be the last. But it's the same God, you know you know, throughout history and for eternity. And so that's been a really good experience for me, just viewing the gospels and, and scripture uh, with, you know, how, seeing how uh, how the scriptures and, and how um, Jesus in the gospels is pointing towards an, uh, an eternity, not you know, a temporary mm-hmm. time and space. So I think that's that's been the good thing for my faith mm-hmm. uh, personally, so. I, the word that kind of keeps popping in my head, which I kind of don't like, honestly, is provision, but I don't think it's like God's provision, not just in the tan- in the tangible and in the, in the stuff we can touch and, you know, but also I, I just, relationships, friendships, community, um, and, and witnessing it through the beneficiary, beneficiaries, like, and, and their hope, like they would walk, I mean, you, you literally see someone walk into a shelter, mm-hmm. you... I mean, it's not like I, I really minister to them, but you know, maybe in whatever way we could serve food or or, or give a, a, a hygiene packet, you know. And you literally watch them walk on. Mm. I don't know, but but I know they've been touched mm-hmm. in some way. And I and just whether it's that kit they needed or that meal they needed or um, that shower they needed or 
that conversation they needed, whatever it is. I mean, I, I you witness the the provision um, and and the hope. And I know in some cases, you know, you don't you don't see it, and it's hard, or you just you just watch, you literally watch their back walk, and you don't know, and it's up a mountain, and you just are like. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, just just those instances up to little things like our that's not little, but like our our youngest was having these headaches, and you know, um, this is in the middle of everything. You know, mm-hmm. she's having these headaches, and and we don't know what to do, and it sounds you know scary, and well suddenly, oh yeah, we have a neurologist friend and he comes over to our house and sends her off to get an MRI and it's clear. And these things that were just just, just provided, just constantly, mm-hmm. constantly. And and I, like I said, I don't necessarily think that's my favorite word for right now, but mm-hmm. as far as, because he's more than that, obviously, but that's something that came to mind as far as that's what he did. That's what he's done and he keeps doing. And, and so, you know, fear for our safety or fear for... Um, when the times of fear of 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 purpose or fear, God's the God's there. His he his provision is perfect and always there, and um, and he constantly he just constantly shows up in mm-hmm. in, in his ways. That mm-hmm. it helps me step aside because I think again I know for me I'm can be kind of controlling and um, and um, my numbers are one, so I like everything's in place. And I like to know what my day is going to be like. And mm-mm, not when you have a crisis and not when you don't know what tomorrow is going to be. And not when you constantly see God show up and do what he needs to do that mm-hmm. day. Right. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you probably <laughs> learned it. I think when you get stretched, you you don't know what you're capable of until you have to do it. And it's like that verse, the, the lilies of the valley and the grass yes. and the birds, you know, they don't worry you know, how much more does our our God love us that He provides for us? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was just sharing the kids with today. It's like, we don't, He will provide. Mm-hmm. Maybe not what we want, mm-hmm. but what we need. And so it's it's a testimony to see that over this year, you've seen that. Oh, constant. And it's going to it's gonna bolster you for future projects. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of explained a little bit, but mm-hmm. Scripture, what has the mm-hmm. Lord taught you in His Word? I mean, mm-hmm. were you already studying Psalm 91? Is there yeah. other passages yeah. that you guys have been reflecting on or that you've, I feel like, yeah, when you need God's word, mm-hmm. we are more hungry. So yeah. what have you learned? Yeah. I think a verse uh, that, that comes up frequently among our staff um, in this time of COVID uh, is um, uh, from 1 John chapter 3, when it talks about laying your life down for your brother. Mm-hmm. So knowing, you know, in a time like COVID, where there's this kind of clear and present danger of getting sick, um, knowing that uh, we don't, as Christians, we shouldn't fall into self-preservation. Uh, you know, we should be prudent and we should be careful, and, and 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 those are good things. But we should also look at every action we doing what we do as a way of laying down our lives for our brothers. Mm-hmm. So making those self-sacrifices. You know, if 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 you know you know that your coworker lives with an elderly parent, making sure you have a mask on around them and and you're keeping your distance and and, and really as a way of, of laying down your life for your for your brother and kind of dying to yourself a little bit, uh, especially in as especially as an American, mm-hmm. uh, which it can be hard I think for 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 us to do a little bit, um, but in that context, it's really looking at at everything we do as a way of okay, how in this case am I laying down my life for my brother? Mm. Um, you know, for our staff, uh, you know, vaccines uh, and getting, making sure our staff that are putting their lives at risk and, you know, our medical staff, making sure that they're ahead in line to get, um, to get the vaccination, to be protected, um, to be able to go out and continue the ministry ahead of, 
you know, maybe how you feel like, like you need to be protected. So things like that, little examples uh, like that, um, really being attentive to the needs and, and kind of dying to yourself a little bit and, and laying down your life for your brother, for your sister. That's, that's been a verse I, I think that's, that's come up frequently uh, in this context. So That's true. I know. I feel like we just, we do. We need to be more considerate. Yeah. Um, and I like how you said that, that. I always thought that the don't cause other people to stumble. You know, if, mm-hmm. if they have a need where, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so. so finally, how can we be praying? You know, how can we be praying for your team, mm-hmm. uh, the people that you minister to? And then as you go back, you know, what what is this next? What is your prayer and vision for this next mm-hmm. year? Um, we moved to Columbia as a fairly um, secure uh, you know, developing country. I mean, they had their stuff together. We weren't there, not to say we won't minister to Colombians, but we were there for the Venezuelan immigrants. We weren't there. We weren't moving to Venezuela. We were moving to Colombia because that was mm-hmm. the, you know, it was relatively safe and, you know, mm-hmm. had their stuff together. Uh, but since COVID and since even being here in the States for not even a month, there's been mm-hmm. um, a lot going on in Colombia. So it feels weird to we're going back and we love, we love that country. We are now, I feel like we have little kind of little Colombian daughters and, you know, it's part of our, it's part of our, mm-hmm. our lives that um, forever have peace of our hearts. And so to go back and, and not, there's this insecurity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Talk about security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of insecurity right mm-hmm. now. And trust in God, you've got this. I mean, there's been car bombings and attempted assassinations in our, in our city. And it's like, and this is just since we've been back. Hmm. We haven't even been there. And it's just like, okay, God, what are you doing? And what do we need to do? And what's right for our family? And and I mean, you know, no, number one for me is, you know, my girls. And, and you know, so, so there's just unknowns. There's mm-hmm. so many unknowns for me. I don't know how you feel in that. If you feel like there's anxiety about that or not. Um, I think the only anxiety, I think that what we ask for prayers for is, that it would not hinder the work that mm-hmm. I think SP and, and other great organizations are doing to help people in need. Um, security, uh, uh, you know, a, you know, a poor ser- security situation uh, can really have serious repercussions for the aid and the ministry that's being done in the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at uh, Ethiopia that's you know, undergoing the same thing and those have severe consequences mm-hmm. for aid that's getting out to people. And I feel like Colombia could be on the cusp Mm-hmm. Of, of you know falling back into uh, you know an, a lot of insecurity, um, and that could have a, a negative effect on on the work that Samaritan's mm-hmm. Purse is doing, the work that churches are doing, the work that other organizations are doing. So, I would pray for peace in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is certainly needed for Colombians and for the response in, in Venezuela. I mean, for a lot of Venezuelans, Colombia is their only hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and going, getting to Colombia to buy, you know, uh, the essentials is, is really their only option. And so if Colombia becomes too insecure for that, I mean, you just take a, a bad situation and make it worse. Mm-hmm. So uh, please pray for the security situation in Colombia and for the church in Colombia to just remain committed to the gospel mm-hmm. and not get carried away by, by anything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this allows you to pray for our Columbia office um, more specifically. And I hope that it encouraged you as it did me. Um, their eternal perspective and the way that they're clinging to God in the hard times was really encouraging. 
Um, I love Colossians 1.17 that says, He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. I know I was so encouraged talking to them and just reminded of this promise that we have. And I especially love the way that Deja was honest um, about their first time serving um, overseas and the way that it wasn't easy on her. Um, And I think sometimes we think that missionaries or people that are serving in our country offices, that they're they're superhuman. They're they're just made for adventure and for living in a foreign country. Um, And some people, it always has been on their hearts, but some, it's just that they're faithful and they're obedient. They're not perfect. They're not superheroes. Um, They struggle. They have hardships. They have setbacks. Um, They have times where they're not um, thriving. And so it's, it's not easy. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, if you're frustrated and feeling like you're not doing a good job, um, that's okay. Lean into God and what He wants to teach you in that and remain teachable and reliant. Um, it's a choice how we respond to hardships and setbacks and difficulties. Um, and it doesn't mean that we're not capable or qualified. Um, God can and will use you if you remain faithful. Um, and I just thought of uh, Psalm 16 after talking to them and just just pray for this for all of our um, country directors and staff all around the world that they will continue to seek God for, as their portion and their cup of blessing. I'm going to read uh, Psalm 16, 5, 6, and 11 that says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places indeed. I have a beautiful inheritance. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. I hope you have a great day, and I hope that you find abundant joy that comes only from God's presence. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for your partnership and what you do to serve our Lord around the world. God bless you.